Welcome back to another episode of the Silver Bullet Saga. This week, we're up to episode six. That number being a little unique because, you know, on a normal football season at this point in December, we would be far past this if we were doing an episode a week. But another tale of the tape for the COVID year, which is 2020 and Ohio State football. Thank goodness from our last uh, performance against those fighting Michigan State Spartans. Ohio State has put them in a pretty good spot to succeed and make their way into the college football playoff uh, this year. We're going to be talking about the conference championship this upcoming weekend, as well as a couple other teams in the Big Ten, and take a look at the other games for conference championship weekend and how it will affect the Buckeyes' fight for the playoff. Before we get started, I'd like to introduce my co-host, uh, now and always, my co-producer, Adam. Adam Vonderhaar, how are you doing today? Ryan, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, we're right here in the holiday season. Shout out to Christmas. Shout out to Hanukkah. Um, shout out to Ohio State. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Bringing the heat as always. And a uh, special guest for this week. We've been doing a couple guests uh, in epi- or, uh, this season. We have a new guest, new joining us to the podcast, hopefully to become a reoccurring guest. My friend and yours, his name is Stanley Skokie, recent graduate of The Ohio State University. Stanley, uh, why don't you just tell us how you're doing and maybe a little bit about yourself? Hey guys, well thank you. I've been a big fan of the podcast for a while. You know, as a recent COVID graduate of The Ohio State University, you know, it's been really great to, uh, you know, spend my t- a lot of my time at the university without COVID, especially with these two boys. These guys uh, were big influencers in my career at Ohio State, bringing me to Farmhouse ATZ Fraternity at Ohio State. And, you know, these guys are great. Well, Stan, thank you for joining us today. You are a big Ohio State football fan. And before we get started, I'd like for you to talk a little bit about your job as a student while at Ohio State. You are around many different athletes. Uh, Why don't you just tell the folks at home what you had the privilege of doing and then maybe what your parting gift was with your team? Yeah, of course. So I worked in uh, the athletic department. I worked in equipment. I was a student equipment assistant. So I worked under um, a bunch of different equipment managers and my, my job was basically to working with around 14 to 15 varsity athletic teams, which includes some of them men and women's volleyball, wrestling, um, men and women's swimming, you know, the women teams. And that, I mean, that experience was really great for me as former quote unquote collegiate athlete. I was a division three swimmer for a year, but, you know, I really wanted to stay involved in sports and stay around the kind of, you know, the whole hoopla that is sports you know you you're around it every day you love it and that really gave me the chance to kind of be involved with it without having to be a student athlete and being focused on being a regular student focusing on other things that students do having fun having free time but it was really cool you know working with seeing all the gear they get all the nike boxes and shoes every day and uh, i was gifted with a ohio state football helmet straight from the equipment room at the woody with uh, helmet stickers on and everything just for me. I think the helmet stickers were for how many times I was late. So I got around 24 or 25 of them. So, but it was a great parting gift from them. And, you know, something I will always cherish, you know, not just the helmet itself, but the memories that come with it. Sure. And Stanley, to, to pull, back, pull back the curtain a little bit, Stanley had texted Adam and I this week and said, I think he said, like, guys, I got to tell you something or something. And he tried to FaceTime us and we were busy or whatever. And the next thing in the message was this picture of this Ohio State helmet. And, you know, for the folks at home, you can't see it. We've got our videos on. But it, it, this thing is it's right off the field. Like it, it is an immaculate, like game ready helmet and would be, you know, a perfect addition to any, you know, Buckeye fans cave. Uh, where they, you know, keep their memorabilia or anything. So I, we just thought that was the coolest thing ever. Stanley told us that he was driving around with it on his, uh, on his uh, way around saying goodbyes on campus. So definitely a cool thing. Uh, the, the equipment manager storyline uh, definitely got its play while we were in school together. Uh, I'm still a little bitter that I never got a left-handed Ohio State ice hockey stick. Adam did get a right-handed stick, but it's because uh, there, there were more right-handed sticks or something like that. That was the one that happened to be broken that day. Wasn't that right, Stanley? Yeah, it was. Stanley uh, said he got me a right-handed stick because he likes me more. That's what he said. <laughs> oh. He well, said that. That's not what he – okay. Stanley? Well, well, I would like to clear up that story. So I did text 
Ryan first and ask him if he plays hockey as a lefty or a righty. <laughs> and when he answered that, I immediately did not respond and sent Adam a text. <laughs> so for the folks at home, you know that we're brothers. Adam and I are also twins. And uniquely, uh, the cherry on top of that unique sandwich is that we are mirror twins. So Adam is right-handed and I'm left-handed. And this has nothing to do with Ohio State football. So back well, to... Also Stanley just openly admitted that he wanted to give Ryan a hockey stick before Adam. <laughs> well, I'm his, I'm his, I'm his, some, I guess there's some breaking news on the podcast that Adam wasn't the first choice to be uh, gifted a hockey stick. Adam, you're my, Adam, you're my big now. brother, but Stanley is my, is my little brother. So that that's like an easy, you know, decision for him to make. So getting into Ohio state football, we want to break down the game from two weeks ago. Obviously we didn't do a podcast last week. Again, I don't want, I'm not a hero, you know, People are calling me Nostradamus. We didn't record because nobody really thought that uh, Ohio State was going to be able to play the game against that team up north um, due to COVID issues. Uh, some, you know, d- write the narrative that you want to write uh, as far as that goes. But the game did not get played this year for the first time since 1917. So the tape that we get to break down this week was Michigan State versus the Buckeyes. Uh, we had a long conversation about this with Clay two weeks ago. Uh, heading into this week, I was a little nervous with how many um, players we were going to have out uh, due to the COVID reports uh, going into that week. Luckily, that did not mean Justin Fields. That did not mean Garrett Wilson. That did not mean Chris Olave and a majority of our defense. And let me tell you, boys, 52 points, right? 52 points against Michigan State. Um, defense only giving up 12, 52 12 win. Huge victory. And in my opinion, probably the best full game that Ohio State has put together this season. Adam, uh, what do you think? Yeah, and uh, it just shows the difference in programs between that team up north and Ohio State. You know, it took us one week to get the COVID breakout under control. You see a lot of breakout players. I mean, uh, sure, you know, you could give Harry Miller a hard time. Uh, We'll probably get into it. But the guy, everybody was playing, you know, uh, a little bit uncomfortable, learning some new things. Harry Miller, left guard, shifted over to center. Yeah, he had some wild snaps, but center is probably right there with one of the hardest positions on the offense uh, other than quarterback, I think. I mean, when you think of all the responsibilities they have between reading blitzes and helping the quarterback out when they can, I think he did a phenomenal job. Uh, I think he definitely got better throughout the game. The offense, I mean, what can you say? Justin Fields is – hopefully we will see a talent like that soon. But, I mean, I, I, I don't think there's any Buckeye fans that truly appreciate how good this player is. And uh, he just showed it. He showed it like he showed it so many other times. He rebounded great from the Indiana game. Uh, a couple picks in that game with uh, an Indiana defense that's known for interceptions and just blitzed the, the crap out of him. It took him to get comfortable. He looked a lot better after a couple of those. He learned, you know, what's coming. Um, but I think they look great. Uh, Michigan State, the offense looked great. Michigan State's not uh, really known for their offense. So, you know, it wasn't a huge surprise to see the defense shut that down. But that was my takeaway. I think it was a very complete game by Ohio State. Definitely the most complete we've seen this season. Stan- Stanford, why don't you tell us a little bit about maybe some things you saw uh, two Saturdays ago against the Spartans? So I just want to clarify one point. Our, our defense actually only gave up 10. We did give up those two points to that safety. So a little more credit to our defense there. But uh, I think it was a big, you know, big momentum step for our team, you know, not having those people there. And, and you know, the team rallying behind Larry Johnson, I think that was, that was a good thing to see. And I think we finally, you know, a couple of weeks ago against Indiana, we saw Justin, Justin Fields is actually a human. He's, you know, flesh and blood, not a – uh, cyborg of some kind that we've seen throughout the year and a half he's played at Ohio State but I think it was really good to see those guys and you know we could talk about center play all we want but I think that gave Justin Fields the opportunity to not think as much I think against Indiana he was a little in his head with those blitzes and when the ball's on the ground you don't think you just pick it up you either run or you throw it and I think that gave him the opportunity to show he's just a pure athlete he can just make plays not think about it just you know, pick it up, run for 20 yards. And I think, I mean, that really showed us that Justin Fields is just, you know, the guy we always thought he was. He's that great guy. And I don't think the Indiana game really showed who he is as a quarterback. I think under pressure, you know, people crumble. I mean, he is 21 years old or however old he is. He is a, he is a young man. But, yeah, I, 
I think overall the defense really made a big step too. You know, they were hearing all that all that chatter from ESPN and all those other guys about, you know, they have no defense. They gave up what four hundred some passing yards. I don't know what the exact amount was. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but I think I think that was the big big game changer for me was seeing the defense step up. You know, and we actually we have a star on the D line again. So with Haskell Garrett, I think that's you know defense is coming around, and that was our our big uh, weakness against Indiana. Yeah, I, uh, definitely a couple things I want to pull out from that. You, just because it's fresh in my mind, you, you just touched on Haskell Garrett. Uh, there, the Big Ten all uh, all conference honors came out this week. Um, Haskell Garrett kind of getting snubbed. Uh, coaches poll, he actually, uh, I believe, he got third team honors. But if you can find a better d- defensive tackle, you know, six games, seven games, if you want to count the extras or <laughs> whatever, we're supposed to be at eight. Um, you know, in the Big Ten this year, if you find a better defensive tackle. Uh, like I'd like to see him because for him to be third team, I think is a horrible snub. And, you know, when we, when we start and I, I want to, you guys both talked about Justin Fields, but I kind of even want to elevate the praise that you gave him. Um, but when we talk about awards uh, given out, a lot of people like to say, you know, Oh, you know, this player got this award just because they go to Ohio state. And we, we hear a lot of that chatter, especially when it comes to the, um, you know, the all American and, you know, the all team uh, awards that get out. But, you know, sometimes it can have the adverse effect. You know, there are so many Buckeyes that will get chosen any given year for first team and second second team that, you know, sometimes a guy who's maybe even performing at the top level of his position is going to get overlooked. I don't want to say it's because, you know, the coaches or the media don't want to pick, you know, eight of the 11, you know, uh, first teamers to be Buckeyes. But I think that there is a certain element to that, especially when you get into it and you look at, you know, Really, you don't have a choice. Maybe you could say Penix, but really Justin Fields is the top quarterback in the Big Ten. And then a lot, some people I saw a little bit of belly aching about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson being the uh, one and two first teamers on for wide receiver because it left out, I believe, Fry Vogel uh, with Indiana, who is a beast and arguably is a beast. But, you know, it's just we're the, we're the class of the conference in a way that I don't think, you know, uh, other folks in the Big Ten maybe understand. And the biggest, I think the biggest, uh, you know, uh, and we have very little to the bellyache about, especially now that we're in, you know, the fourth spot. And it really looks like if we win, we're going to be in for the college football playoff. But, you know, Justin Fields, Adam and Stanley, you both touched on it. What a talent. I mean, unbelievable to watch. I feel so thankful that we even got a second year with him because he easily could have just said, you know, you know what, Big Ten Conference, you've botched this. I'm just going to take my talents to the league. But, no, he stayed. He wanted to be a Buckeye. He wanted to play college football. And the shame of it is, if you're watching these games and you're a Heisman voter and Ohio State at this point would have played their normal schedule and he had 12 games and pretty inarguably, I mean, aside of something crazy happening, we would probably be 12-0 and at this point after beating the only real challenge in the Big Ten in Indiana. Um, I think that Justin Fields would probably win the Heisman going away this year. And it's a really pretty sad thing to think about um, that, you know, he's had a, he's had a bunch of awesome games. He's had one bad performance and even bad, you know, he still won us the game against Indiana, but you know, uh, a couple of picks in that one, you know, set him back a little bit, but in a normal season, Justin's definitely getting invited to New York and probably walking away with the trophy. So it really sucks. I heard James Laurinaitis this or last week say, you know, he played with, you know, Troy Smith, and I, a lot of Buckeye fans would say that Troy is probably the number one quarterback in Ohio State history. But even Laurinaitis said this week he, he played with Troy, and he would probably still take Justin. That's how tremendous a talent he is. And it's a shame that he's not going to get the look at the Heisman that he probably should this year. I hope that he gets invited just for, uh, you know, posterity's sake. And, and you know, he, he definitely – he deserves to be there. It's just the conference botched this, and – you know, it's going to be, it's just a, it's a sad footnote that is hopefully just a footnote on what we are praying as an Ohio State championship uh, season this year. Um, you know, I, I don't want to spend our whole time talking about Michigan State, but, you know, there's just a couple other points that I want to slip in here. Guys, Drew Chrisman, this, this <laughs> ridiculously talented punter who's going to make a bunch of money in the NFL, I think, uh, just as far as consistency goes. What, what are any takeaways you guys had from him and maybe even just his history uh, with the Spartans and, and even not even just the Spartans, but up there in East Lansing, this seemed like a show we'd seen before. Yeah. Um, is this Drew's third season starting with Ohio state? 
which would be um, two years ago, Ryan, we saw actually all three of us saw yep. up there in East Lansing. Yep. That was an absolute clinic of punting we saw back in like, 2017, I think, um, or 2018. But yeah, I mean, what can you say? 267 yards averaged. That was on five punts. So that's 53.4 average per punt. I, what literally one more could you ask? I remember at least one got pinned right on the one yard line, which is, there's literally no more you can do as a punter than to put it right there for your team to grab it and pin it down. So um, he's been, he's been our punter since 2017. That was his red yeah. shirt freshman year. So this okay. is his third season. Yeah. I think we, we, the, the Aussie, he replaced the Aussie or fourth he, season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, the big Ten's known for punting Jim Trestle. I think if he could win a game through punting, he would have, it's changed a little bit in the last 10 years, but um I don't know. What more remarks could he give? He's an excellent guy. He's going to make a lot of money in the NFL, I think. And then, I, Stanley, I'm, I'm just going to move on because I think Adam kind of covered it there. But r- rushing yards, just the other storylines from last Saturday, Trey Sermon kind of had his coming out game as far as, you know, getting his wheels under him. You know, it kind of seemed like through the first four games of the season, whenever Sermon got a couple carries uh, in the running back position, he'd get, he would have a couple, you know, yards for loss and a couple plays where he's tackled behind the line. And then when it finally looked like he was going to have a breakout play, he'd either get ankle tackled or get tripped up kind of in the line. But, you know, last Saturday against Michigan State, the dude absolutely went off, and I'm very happy to see it, especially as a senior um, transfer you know, he, he caps it off with a long 64-yard run and a touchdown, uh, 11 yards average on the ground. You know, anytime, anytime you can average more than five or six yards a carry, you know you're having a great day. And the dude was averaging 11. So just really exciting to see. Stan, you have any takeaways from the running game? I think we finally, you know, we got to see the running game that we usually see from Ohio State, especially last year with J.K. and Dobbins. We haven't – he has – had that breakout season that we all thought he had but I think it's also due to the fact of how many games we played for sure yeah and you know no rhythm not, mm-hmm. not getting used to o-line and stuff so I think I think the run game really showed I mean we had Sermon and Fields I mean I, I count Fields as running back sometimes too so we had 200 yard rushers well you know, that's the a, that's the kind of the exciting part about this point in the season because you know in those early games Ryan Day essentially said as much as, hey, we're not going to run, Justin, you know, unless we have to. And now that we're here and it's time to really, like, break the offense out because every game we play from now on is for some kind of ring, which is, like, a pretty exciting thing to think about. Um, you know, Justin had 100 yards on the ground, and it, and, it, and he made it look easy. He had the uh, – uh, yeah, I was going to say, he had one breakout run for 44 yards that I don't even think he was touched until he got to about their 10-yard line and he slid. Like, it was he, – he's so – smooth in the way that he runs it 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 complements a very accurate you know him as a very accurate passer and again I I just think there's no way to understate how talented the guy is I hope that he's able to keep up under pressure as we get into these huge games uh you know last year he he played really an awesome game against Clemson uh aside from the last play obviously and I'm so glad that he's going to get you know some opportunities to rectify that in the postseason this year uh, anything else you guys would like to add about Michigan State? Shout out to Justin Fields running that uh, that tackler down on Trey Sermon's long run. I think it was Trey Sermon's run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he he made the distance. He caught up to the guy and made a great side block. Not blocking from behind like some people would argue. It's a perfect block to, to allow the touchdown. Remnants of the Tyree Kill catch-up in the mm-hmm. NFL. I think that was last Yeah. Dude's got wheels. You could tell that he was faster than anybody on the field. He's literally I would say he's got that Cam Newton thing going where he is tall, so he looks slow, but all of a sudden he's he's bounced, he's yards ahead of people right with him. He look the, the stride is so long. Mm-hmm. And he's thin too, you know, even thinner yeah. than Cam to where he Definitely. can just take off. He doesn't have to truck people because he can just run around them. So with that, uh, we'll move on. I got one question for us this week as we're rounding out the Big Ten season. Uh, this I think is a, a question that actually has a little bit more to it than it, than you would think on the surface. But uh, going into this season, there were a ton of storylines and that's kind of the reason that we have this podcast. My favorite reason to watch football is the storylines and the drama that goes into it. And just the human element, uh, a big piece of college football in the human element are the expectations that we put on to head coaches that we put on to programs uh, every single year. 
for you all, and I want everybody to come up with one answer. You can talk about a couple different teams, but for you both, who has been the most disappointing program slash head coach? That's kind of the same question. I, you can kind of zoom in on the head coach as far as expectations go, but who has been the most disappointing head coach in the Big Ten uh, as far as their expectations coming into this season? Uh, Adam, as the co-host, I will uh, give it to you for the first answer. I'm, I'm going to steal the easy one for Ohio State fans, and I'm going to say it's that team up north. No expectations were not through the roof going into this specific season, but I think when you look at the tenure of the coaching staff that's existed at that team up north for the past, what, five years now with under Harbaugh, you look at a guy like this, a guy that loves milk, a guy that doesn't eat chicken because he says it's a nervous bird, all these quirky things that recruits see right through. I've got a quote for you. He once said, I don't take vacations. I don't get sick. I don't observe major holidays. I'm a jackhammer. I would just say to that quote that the jackhammer is broken. And uh, so is the program in that team up north. That's what I've got for you, Ryan. Very disappointing season. You kind of, I think that's the easy answer, Stan. I'm curious to see what you have to say. Yeah, I mean, Obviously, the team up north is the easiest answer. But, you know, looking at the other ones, like Penn, Penn State, Penn State had a lot of players opt out early in the season. You know, we weren't really – at least at least in my perspective, I wasn't expecting Penn State to be what they were. I mean, they lost basically their first overall draft pick, maybe, at a linebacker. And then you're looking at Wisconsin. You know, they have a new quarterback. But honestly, for me, I think it's Minnesota. You know, what P.J. Fleck did last season was, you know – incredible for like Minnesota state program for them to do what they did last year. I think they went 10 and two beat Auburn in the Outback bowl. I think it was Auburn. You might have to check that for me. I think it's Auburn, but you know, and then they returned pretty much same quarterback, same coaches, same wide receivers. And they just, you know, they don't show up. They don't show up for any of their games. You know, you're looking at the, the Michigan game was supposed to be close. Supposed to be a, maybe a big win for Minnesota. Michigan runs them out of the stadium, and then we go to see that basically any, everyone's running Minnesota out of the stadium. You know, I think that's 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 my big disappointment from what they came off last year to return all those guys. I don't think they had any big players opt out to just you know not show up. I yeah, think I, that plays into uh, that team up north. Just to crap on them just a little bit more, I saw the meme on Instagram. It, it was like when that team up north beat Minnesota, it was like Aquaman, right? incredible like a hulk of a man uh, dothraki-esque if you will and then the rest of the season it's like the super bowl ad of that same actor you know balding fat beer gut just completely useless um another quote he's got i mean we're, we'll just keep doing this he said hustle hustle at all times better today than yesterday better tomorrow than today you know very stoic very you know, Buddhist-esque quote. But then, you know, his fifth season with the program, he's got a losing uh, percentage throughout the season. So I don't know what you do about that. And then you've got all your players sneezing on each other just so they don't have to play Ohio State and Iowa to finish the season. I, I think it's pretty sorry. Ryan, I'm excited to hear your answer. No, I think that you guys took two of the three. I think there's only one other applicable answer. I liked Stanley's points defending Penn State. Um, another one, a disappointing season would be for Wisconsin, but I don't know that all of that is in their control. They got a pretty good quarterback, I think, going forward in Gus Mullahan. So, you know, we'll, and again, I think a lot of people are going to get some forgiveness this year as far as it just being the weirdest year ever in the conference, totally botching the entire thing. But my answer for this question is going to be the third of the three teams I think you could answer this for, and that would be Nebraska. Um, I like the Cornhuskers, and I, I think I like Scott Frost as even a coach, but the, the problem with this season is that they helped us get this season started, which I will always be thankful for them helping to lead the charge for that. But after you fight that hard for a season, you need to win the games you're supposed to win, and that's just something that Nebraska hasn't been able to do uh, you know, this season. Obviously, they have a hard start. Uh, against Ohio State, uh, you know, nobody in the Big Ten will have a harder opener than whenever they play us. And then they, their next game gets canceled against Wisconsin. And it's probably, if we're going to be honest, right, it's a momentum killer as far as trying to get a season started. And they go to the Big Ten and they say, hey, we want, you know, to schedule a non-conference opponent. Big Ten, boom, drops the hammer, says no. 
sets the precedent for us not to be able to do that, you know, later on this year. But, you know, I, I think Scott Frost is going to be able to get that program turned around a bit. I think the problem is while Nebraska is in the Big Ten and while Ohio State is the queen of the conference, the, the ceiling for Nebraska is to compete for the Big Ten West every other year or every three years. And, you know, they're going to be going back and forth with Wisconsin and with Iowa every single year. Uh, so the ceiling's not that high for them, but they're not close to that ceiling right now, which is, you know, a pretty disappointing thing, especially when you have your guy there, Scott Frost, um, you know, who, who's supposed to be the savior of the program. He's in his third year. Uh, now he's, he's got his players. Hopefully, you know, next year he gets a full off season and a full training camp and he's able to make something happen. But, you know, just for me, wanting Nebraska to be good, I was pretty disappointed in the way their uh, program has turned out this year. And I, I want them to be good just for the name brand, right? It would mean so much more nationally if we were playing a one loss Nebraska team than it does for us to play this two loss you know, Northwestern team out of the West, just when it comes to this global conver- or this national conversation. And as far as brands are concerned, sadly, Northwestern is probably the most lackluster, you know, uh, uh, eligible opponent we could play out of the West because Iowa, Wisconsin, and even Nebraska, not recently, but of years past, uh, has the, those, uh, that recognition as far as being a national program. Uh, great job on that guys. Uh, now we move into, what everybody is tuning in to hear, our millions of listeners across the country, uh, those of you listening at home who are excited to cheer on these Buckeyes uh, this coming Saturday, uh, we are playing those fighting Northwestern Wildcats, a team that we are pretty familiar (laughs) with. Whoa. Thank you, Adam. A team that we are pretty familiar with as far as uh, the Big Ten Championship goes. We've seen these colors before, right? It's different than this replayed Wisconsin team that we've done what half of the time or, or more than we've uh, since we've started playing this big 10 championship. Um, but you know, Northwestern, we had them the year before last Stanley referenced it in urban Myers last big 10 championship um, game. Uh, we get the rematch with them two years later. They were kind of down last year, but this year they've made a bit of a comeback. Uh, only let's see. I believe they have uh, one I should know this one loss. They lost to Michigan state, which we will talk about and is a horrible loss. Is that their only loss? Adam is saying, yes. Um, We, you know, you get into this team and you start breaking down their numbers, huge run heavy offense. It's kind of what they do, you know, as far as, um, you know, total yards, uh, you know, points per game, they're, they're putting up about 25 points a game and they're allowing 14. So what they're going to do to you is they're going to get the ball on the ground and they're going to try and run it as much as they can. And once they get ahead, they're going to sit on that lead because they've got a pretty darn good defense. Now, Desmond Howard, uh, people can say about him whatever they want. Uh, he had a pretty inflammatory comment a few weeks ago saying that Northwestern looked like a bunch of Reese Davises running around the field, which I, uh, I find that an interesting comment and I will leave it at that, but I won't argue with the validity of his comment. They play a very solid, uh, defense. They don't make that many mistakes. They're not going to beat themselves as far as, uh, coming up against even a big time team like us in Ohio state. Uh, Adam, what do you see happening this Saturday and kind of pull pull out some parts of the game that you think are going to matter? I would say Michigan State's biggest issue was they didn't talk enough smack to make bulletin board material uh, for Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald loves the hate. He wants every bit of it because I think every bad thing said about Northwestern is another lap as players have to run, another push-up, another set of push-ups, another round of burpees, something to make their players hate the team they're playing because they're being such underdog. Um, What do they need to do? They need to recruit better going into this game. They need to have better players to be able to match up with Ohio State's offensive line and defensive line. Their skill position players need to be better. They did a good job getting that transfer. uh, What is his name? Ram Ramsey. Uh, That's a good transfer grab they got from the portal. Um, but it's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. We're going to see Sean Wade at least with one pick six if they do try to throw the ball. They only have two plays of more than 30 yards passing, so don't look for much explosive plays. If we do see it, remember this, Buckeye fans, we probably don't want to go to the playoffs if we let any explosive plays from this Northwestern offense. They're toxic. They're not good. 
okay? This should be a complete shutdown by the Ohio State defense and an explosion like normal by Justin Fields and the great players on our Ohio State Buckeye offense. That's what I've got for you. Stanley, what do you got for the Wildcats? I just want to add, so it is actually Joey Galloway who said that, a Buckeye homer, which he is an anti-homer. He, he's kind he, of trash. He's not, a, he's not a big fan of the Buckeyes, even though he is a great, was a great wide receiver for us. But, uh, yeah, Desmond usually has bad takes. So I can see how you can get that confused. But I, um, saw, I saw that it was a game day take, so that was, that's why I, I, got just, I messed that up. Good, good, good call out, though. But, uh, yeah, so um, I'd say my big take is, you know, this game is being played in Indianapolis, so I think, you know, we have a big advantage there because, you know, Northwestern's thing is they grow their grass, I think, a fourth of an inch longer to slow down the, those speedy teams that come in. And, you know, we found out in the 2017 Big Ten Championship game against Wisconsin that we actually do have a turf field in Indianapolis where we'd be playing the house that Manning built because we saw that 15 to 20-minute intermission of what that goal line stand that ripped up the end zone, actually. And um, we had to have the turf guy come out. I don't remember his name. Eric uh, Carlo. Eric Carlo, and I think, Ryan, I think you actually did an interview with him about that. Yes. Uh, thank you, Stanley, for bringing up this story. Uh, my senior year at Ohio State uh, had written this article. Uh, so we were at the game, obviously, just a few weeks before that. And as soon as I saw it happen, I, I thought, ding, there's my senior capstone article. I'm watching it happen right in front of me. So a little plug for the College of Food, Agricultural, and Environmental Sciences. Uh, you know, we, we have a terrific turf grass program. Um, and I see this, this, this un unfolding on the field and I'm like, man, who is this guy who ends up being the social media sensation turf guy comes out to save the big 10 championship. And right there, you know, I, that obviously takes off on Twitter and a few weeks pass. And I'm like, this is a story. Let's talk to this guy, Eric, who is this like Twitter superhero that saved the big 10 championship. And I, I ended up, uh, I think I found him on LinkedIn or something like that and messaged him. And I said, man, I'm trying to do this story about turf grass. And I just love to talk to you and kind of learn how you got into it and, and what it was like being the spot in the spotlight, like pretty much the only thing people remember from that game um, three years ago. So that was a pretty cool thing. Got published a couple of different places, but it, it was a ton of fun, but keep going with the grass, Stanley. Yeah. So I think, you know, with that whole thing, you know, slow down speed teams, like I said before, I don't think we'll have a big problem with us being slowed down at all. You know, we've seen Justin Fields come back, seen our O-line, I think, are back for this game. A lot of those starters who are out with either COVID or other injuries, they don't list which ones are which. But, um, you know, I think, I think on the defensive side, you know, Northwestern's that big, the Big Ten, you know, stronghold team. They run the ball hard. They've got fullbacks, tight ends in there. They run the ball, control the clock. I just don't, you know, I see them, I see a stack in the box, stopping that run and really making Ramsey throw the ball. You know, he has, he has six interceptions on the season. You know, that's, you know, n not too crazy. But when you think about his attempts, you know, it's, they're, I mean, they're running the ball a lot. He turns so, it over. Yeah. Yeah. He, he turns the ball over pretty a lot, but I think, I think we're putting our corners on Island. Sean Wade, like Adam said, pick sixes. You know, I think I think our corners are better than our wide receivers, and we're really gonna have to make them work. And you know, if they're covered, Haskell Garrett's coming in there. He's gonna he's gonna sack Ramsey a couple times, maybe even block it for a pick six. You never know. So I think I think this is a big defensive game. The defense controls our offense. The defense gets stops. Our offense is out on the field. You know, the biggest biggest damper to an offense is a bad defense. So sure. No, I think that's a great point. Another uh, little ding-ding award winner there. You mentioned Sean Wade. Believe that he took home the honors of the Woodson uh, Award for the best cornerback in the Big Ten. First Ohio State player in Ohio State history to, to take that award home, which is like a crazy, that's crazy – Yeah, that is an insane stat. So cool thing. Sean Wade's a beast. I'm so happy that he's back with us. And I really hope that, you know, we're, if, if I'm going to quote Reggie Miller, right, Pacer great, we're in winning time here. As far as, uh, you know, everything in front of us is what these players are at Ohio State to do, right? We're, we are here to compete. We're here to play for championships. And every game that they play uh, for, from here on out, they're going to get a ring to remember. So pretty exciting thing. Um, I would agree with a ton of the points you guys have. Uh, I, I kind of love looking at the statistics, especially the passing stats. You know, uh, Fields has about 400 more yards through the air than Ramsey. 
uh, and has played two less games. So it's kind of a different, uh, you know, thing that, <laughs> you know, he's already got more and he's played, you know, two less games, which for fields would essentially be 600 yards, which is like, you know, a crazy thing to think about. Six um, more passing touchdowns as well. Yeah, perhaps six more passing touchdowns. Um, you get into, uh, you know, their rushing yards since, you know, uh, uh, rushing is like a, obviously a big thing for them. Uh, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to win the game on the ground. All of our backs have better stats than theirs. You know, as far as scoring points goes, you know, if this is any kind of race, it's going to be like the, you know, the, with, without the, the lesson, it's going to be the tortoise and the hare, right? The tortoise is it's just like going to, is going to, this is the tortoise and the hare for a, for a 20 yard dash. You know, it's, it's not the, it's not going to play the tortoise out. and the hare, but the, you know, the tortoise just quits. You know, yeah. Well, they hope, got the sauce. Hopefully, it's something where the the rat, the tort the hare might you know flip the tortoise on his back. It, it's a little engine that could, but somebody forgot to change the oil. They don't <laughs> make it. Thank, thank you, Adam. Um, so uh, we're pretty obviously excited for the this weekend. I I think it's going to be a win going away. I hope that it is. Um, and just to throw in a new topic for you guys, or actually we'll wait and we'll do our, our, our picks and then we're going to talk about one more thing when we get to the end. Um, going into this weekend, pretty awesome slate of games. Uh, I had Adam pull four games for us to go through and do some picks. Uh, over there in the Big 12, you've got Oklahoma facing those fighting Iowa State Cyclones ranked number what, six in the country, which is a pretty exciting thing as far as the college football playoffs are concerned. Uh, if Iowa State comes away with a win and a lot of craziness happens on Saturday, it's, a, it's even an unfathomable thing for me to think about, but Iowa State actually has a chance to get into the college football playoff. Very minute chance, even with a win and a bunch of losses, I think it's still a very low chance, but, you know, we will see. Um, I, uh, Oklahoma uh, playing Iowa State, Iowa State, Adam, is that right? Iowa State is giving up, or uh, Oklahoma is favored by five and a half points. Is that correct? Uh, that is, uh, Iowa State is favored by, or no, yeah, Oklahoma is favored Oklahoma's by, favored and by and five and a half. Yeah. That is so correct, yeah. for you all, uh, you two on the call with me, are you uh, taking Oklahoma and laying five and a half points, or are you taking Iowa State and the points? Adam. I love that you called on me. That's electric. That's electric before Adam has his prediction in mind. Um, some, so I think I, I and I don't want to. I already know who you're going to pick, so just say it. Okay, I'm just going <laughs> to say it. Um, shout out to to Zane and the Hurricanes. I'm taking Oklahoma. I think they blow out Iowa State here. I think there's not even going to be a conversation about Iowa State wanting to make the playoffs because they're going to lose this game. Okay, Stanley. I, I'm going with Adam, too. I just don't see Iowa State keeping up with Oklahoma. You know, since those two losses, Spencer Rattler has really really been throwing the ball around, and no one's really been able to stop them. So, I don't – I see Oklahoma winning and covering by a lot. I'm cheering for the underdog. Give me uh, five and a half points uh, in the championship here. Lincoln Riley, most overrated coach in college football. I don't know if that's true or not. He's got a couple Heisman winners. But, uh, you know, I, I think Iowa State is rolling this year. they got a good team. They're well coached. I think that at the very least they can cover the spread. Uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Um, ACC, this is the biggest game, right, probably of the weekend. Notre Dame uh, taking on Clemson. <laughs> Notre Dame, 10-and-a-half-point dogs uh, to Clemson, Ooh, which is a crazy line. That's insane. Uh, yeah. Uh, to me, uh, although – oh, I got rid of it on my note sheet here. Uh, I say it's crazy. I also don't know if it's enough. Stanley, I'll go with you first on this one. Uh, Notre Dame, uh, you, can, you can take Notre Dame with 10-and-a-half points or you have to lay 10-and-a-half with Clemson. I mean, I guess, tre I guess Trevor Lawrence is worth that 10-and-a-half points that they're being favored by you know, yeah it wasn't their last game against Notre Dame where it didn't really seem like the quarterback was the issue but I don't know I just you know my gut wants me to take Clemson but I just I, I have a feeling Clemson's defense is going to play the same kind of game Notre Dame's rolling I don't think Notre Dame's as good as everyone thinks but I do think they're good enough to beat Clemson their defense seems kind of down this year so I'm taking I'm taking, taking the fighting Irish taking fighting Irish Adam I think I think this spread is crazy. I think Vegas, if you told them, hey, 
we're going we're gonna to do a game that's a rematch of a game in the same season where the underdog won the game in double overtime and the team that lost is going to be a ten and a half point favorite. COVID has changed the lives of many people, including those addicted to gambling. I take Clemson here. I think Clemson blows out the Catholics. I think they win at least by 20. I think they're not going to – there's not going to be no conversation about Notre Dame making the playoffs. I think Clemson wins big. I think this might be the safest bet of the week. I think the players on defense that Clemson gets back, it's not going to be a game at all. Notre Dame is always frauds. Never listen to them. If they play in a bowl game, they're going to lose the bowl game. That's how it works. Take Clemson. I hate Clemson. Take Clemson. I, 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 Adam, very hyperbolic in his reasoning there, but I, w- I think I'm going to agree with him. I like Clemson by two touchdowns. I think Trevor Lawrence is worth that much. Um, we will see what happens, but I, I want to touch on what Adam said, but I'm going to wait till we get done with the picks. Uh, SEC championship. You've got Florida taking on Alabama, the rolling tide, probably inarguably the best-looking team uh, through you know a full season because they've been able to play a full season. Uh, Alabama favored by 17 points in the SEC championship. Uh, Adam, we'll flip back to you. Who do you who do you like here? I think Dan Mullen might be the worst coach in the SEC. I think he's got the worst attitude when it comes to running an organization. I think. The SEC is the only one that gets the benefit of a doubt when a team you lose to, okay, by a field goal at the end of a game that has a losing, you know, average on the season in LSU. Yes, they won a national championship last year. Yes, they had an Ohio quarterback groomed at Ohio State, trained at Ohio State. Yes, that made them an absolute force to be reckoned with. On Graduated. He graduated from Ohio State. That's an Ohio State alumni you've got in Joe Burrow. He donated to the Southern Ohio Food Bank. He's a huge Heisman finalist. His name belongs in Ohio Stadium. Yes, he was incredible. They lost all their weapons. That coach down there that you can't even understand, the, the, he got the gumbo in his mouth. He doesn't know how to run an organization. You got Joe Brady who moves on, all right? LSU is a nothing this year, and they, they, you let them walk down into the swamp and went on a field goal, you know, through the fog, through your your seizure-enhancing light show that you're trying to blind the LSU kicker. I don't know what that garbage was, like through the fog. He still dings it straight down the middle. Anyway, <clears throat> this is a trash conference championship. Alabama's going to win by at least 20. I think they win it walking away. Florida is not going to have any argument. They shouldn't have an argument right now. They have no business being number seven. If, if Ohio State lost in a similar situation, they wouldn't even be ranked the next week. All right, I'm pulling a Dabo Sweeney quote. Yes, that's hyperbole. We did drop – you're going to tell me a team loses to a three-and-five program and they drop one spot and your only defense is, well, we couldn't put them behind Georgia because they beat Georgia. You know how many other teams – I mean – Louisiana would like a conversation to be had. I mean, why can't, why, what right do we have to put Iowa State uh, ahead of Louisiana? Anybody ever heard of Louisiana? You know where they are? They beat Iowa State, the number six team in the country. So that logic goes out the window. All right, that's enough reasoning. I'm taking Alabama. So 17, that's not enough. I think they're going to put more on them. They're going to they're gonna pour some sugar on that game. Stanley, what do you got? I think Alabama I, – I think people leave and turn the game off at the end of the third quarter. I think it's that bad. I don't think Florida's – Florida's defense is going to keep up with their wide receivers. I don't think they can get to Mac Jones. They can't even not throw, a, like, someone's shoe. So, I don't even know how they're going to stop. Maybe they'll take Devontae Smith's shoe. Maybe Great it'll point. help. Maybe it will not. You know, that, I think that kind of comes from the Jim Harbaugh try to stop J.K. by taking a shoe last year. Trophy case. So, I think, I think Alabama blows them out. I hate that we're all doing the same thing, but I'm get, I'm right there with you guys, which means Florida's probably going to win, but at least keep it close. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm taking Bama, lay those 17 points. Um, I, I agree with a lot of Adam's reasoning. The, on, the only reason – Go ahead, Adam. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, the only <laughs> – the, 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 uh, the, <laughs> I can't – okay. The thing that I was going to talk about Florida is that I think that – <laughs> I think that their spirits are broken because they could have won that game that they got upset in. Uh, besides, if that shoe is is, is thrown three yards, if that this is like so funny to even think about. If that shoe is thrown three yards instead of thirty, I think that they probably win that game because maybe it's not even a flag. Now he does 
He stands up over the dude and flexes. I mean, it's just, it's so poorly coached. It's so poorly managed. And to that point, why is Florida even celebrating? They were 30-point favorites to beat LSU, and they get a chance, a chance to take it to overtime by stopping them and getting a punt there on fourth down. And the dude picks the shoe up and checks. I've never laughed harder watching a college football game. Did Go they ahead, call Stanley. intentional grounding on that? Is that what the penalty was? On the shoe? That would be hilarious. No, they didn't call grounding on the shoe. It did get past the line of scrimmage, so no worries on that. Um, they did – actually, I did see some things on Twitter saying that it probably should have been a spot foul. You got to pick the ball up, take it to where the shoe landed. You get, you get, uh, you get every yard that that shoe you know, went with it. The hilarious thing about – and I'm one more thing, and then we're moving on from the shoe. But the hilarious – the funniest part about throwing a shoe to get – an unsportsmanlike penalty is that the evidence is on the field. Like it's not like shoving someone or like punching someone in the face and maybe the ref didn't see it. Someone has to go pick the shoe up and you threw it <laughs> on, you threw it on the LSU sideline and it's like the whole LSU you didn't just team. Throw it, you launched it. <laughs> you chucked it so <laughs> You launched far. the shoe. Oh, it was amazing. And it's not like there's fans for the cameras to be looking at. Everyone's there, looking at the field this year. There, there were there's fans. nowhere else no, for the cameras to be it, in Gain- Gainesville, it, it was silent. The fans are like, what, what, what happened? But so you're so right with that, though, Adam. LSU's team is like everyone's pointing with both, not the one finger point, like both hands, like the, the, the meme burn, you know, hand is like, come on, stripes. Anyway, hilarious way to, to lose. Dan Mullen is maybe the most insufferable coach in college football. Uh, I'm glad that he lost like that. Uh, he deserves it, and his players deserve it for choosing to play for him. Okay, that's all we have to say uh, for Florida, Alabama. I hope they get blown out. Um, last championship game that we're going to pick for this weekend, we've got the Fighting Wildcats taking on our beloved Ohio State Buckeyes. Buckeyes are um, favored by 21 Northwestern Wildcats uh, versus Ohio State. Buckeyes are favored by 21 points. Uh, it's in Lucas Oil. Us three are all intimately familiar with that stadium. Adam, I'll start with you. What's going to happen on Saturday? Ryan, I'll tell you what. I mean, you said it, you said it yourself. That stadium is like home game part two. That's like Ohio Stadium 1A as far as uh, Buckeye fans go. We know, you know, you'll play this regular set schedule set of games other than COVID, of course. At the end of that, you will beat Michigan, and then you will proceed on to Indianapolis. Michigan players couldn't put Indianapolis out on a map. They've never been there. They've got no reason to drive there. They'll never probably be there as long as things are the way that they are, as long as Harbaugh signs this contract extension. Um, Northwestern has a good job of muddying the waters in games. They've got these magical little things that, that work to their favor called technique, called uh, discipline, called hard work that Pat Fitzgerald likes to set upon all of his players. He's kind of like uh, Denzel Washington and Remember the Titans, something like, you fumble my football, I will, I will shove my hand up your John Brown hind parts, and then you'll run a mile. It's that kind of a situation. Um, that being said, I think this Ohio State offense is not to be trifled with. I'm taking Ohio State. I've done this in a lot of Big Ten championships. You know, I'm a slave to my own traditions. My freshman year, I actually won a ticket – on a bus trip by myself to go to Indianapolis to watch Ohio State versus a Wisconsin team that we had no hope of beating because we had a third-string quarterback. No one gave us a chance. And what do we do? We win the game 50, what, 59 to zero, 58 to zero. Forget what the final score was. was You were there. I'm not sure. The only thing Wisconsin won was the coin toss. The only thing Wisconsin won was the coin toss at the beginning of the game. Other than that, it was touchdown, 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 touchdown for Ohio State. Nothing else. Um, what's your, what's your, well, let me, I'm making a point. Let me make the point is that since then, every time I think of the Big Ten championship, I think, wow, remember when we did that to Wisconsin, there's nothing to stop us. This is actually the starting quarterback. A lot of people forget Justin Fields, the favorite 21 points, not enough attack and dominate. We're going to win by 30. Take the, uh, lay the points. All right, Stanley. (laughs) Well, to go after that, um, uh, I just, uh, you know, maybe to gang up on Michigan a little bit, but uh, we actually, us three, have been to a Big Ten championship game more times than Michigan has, and Jim Harbaugh and his players. I always like to make that fact. But, uh, you know, I just, 
I don't see Northwestern slowing us down. You know, I see them maybe making it close through the first quarter, maybe 14-7, giving Ryan that little plus seven and first quarter. But, you know, I think I think we cover in at halftime, and I think we keep it up. I mean, are we doing final score predictions? Or are we, we we will we will after I go we'll do okay. score predictions well, okay I'll keep that to myself but okay you got anything else that's it okay so Adam loved every point you came up with uh, I think the hyperbole is warranted I want to add one thing I think that there's been so much excitement these last few years in the Big Ten championship like. Last year specifically, I loved the way we, we prepared specifically because it wasn't that we were looking past it. Everything was one game at a time. We think we're going to be in the playoff, you know, win or lose. Last year, that was at least the sentiment. But we have to play this game. And last year, we go into it and we get into some real trouble against Wisconsin. Uh, the year before, the, muddy, the waters get muddied a little bit against Northwestern for much of the game. And finally, we pull away at the end. I think that this team is ready. I think this team is capable, and I think this team is wanting to blow out Northwestern. They're looking to put points on the board. They know how thankful they are for every game they get to play, especially here on out. After we had those three games get canceled, and last week with the game, arguably our national championship, arguably our biggest game of the year getting canceled last year, or last week, getting canceled, Every player on the team, the coaches included, are just as hungry for every single game they get to play this year. I think it's going to be a gift. I think that they know that, you know, Ryan Day, I love him for this reason. He will never talk about another team. He will never talk about another coach in any negative way. Uh, we saw that with Jimbo this week, we, or last week. We saw that with Dan Mullen this week after losing, calling us out, you know, trying to take shots at the Buckeyes, you'll never hear that from Ryan Day. You'll never hear an excuse. And that's why, you know, he is the man for the job to take over from Urban. But with that being said, they they hear the words in the national media. They hear, hey, we need to make a statement, right, when we play this Big Ten championship game. And they know it. And the the best part about it is we have the offense to do it, and we have a defense that can stop the run. So to me, you know, being an idiot, as I am, I think that this is the easiest bet of the season. I'm going to lay those points, and I'm going to hammer Ohio State uh, this weekend as a homer. Uh, and, Adam, we're going to start over with you. I want to hear score predictions. What do you think happens on Saturday? You thought, you know, a lot. the viewers at home probably thought Adam throughout that spiel. He's got to be thinking of, you know, what, what, you know what, what is that final score going to be? Okay, um... Ohio State. Okay, this is their score. 52. Northwestern. 17. What was that? Are you switching? 13. 13. Not 17. 13. So two field goals and a touchdown. You got it. Okay. 13. Stanley. I just want to, before I do it, I just want to say I – I hate rooting against Pat Fitzgerald. You know, I, I hate he's a great coach. North. He's I, a great coach. I wish Northwestern was in another conference because I would want them to win. I would want Pat Pat Fitzgerald to win conference championship, even maybe a national championship, if you know somehow we were out. And he's we the out. most underrated coach in the Big Ten. I agree. Yeah, yep. I, he, great guy. I mean, he came out and said all that stuff about how he's rooting for us against Clemson. Thought we got robbed, which we did. We'll <laughs> talk about that. But I think he's, you know, he's. He's he's a Big Ten homer, and I think a lot of coaches aren't like that. You know, I think I think Ryan Day maybe hasn't gotten that point yet because he's he's at Ohio State. He's we're usually the guys that the other Big Ten teams are rooting for to do well. So or against, <laughs> yeah, or yeah. or against your Jim Harbaugh and recruiting yeah. and you know. But what's your score, Stan? I think you know, looking at scores, we've only been in the fifties twice, and I think we're motivated. I think we I think we put another fifty nine up there. Ooh. Then. 59. I think, I think Northwestern gets two touchdowns. I think it's 59, 14. I would be a very happy man on Saturday evening. If that's the case, if we can break 50, I would be ecstatic. Um, I think uh, I love the points you guys made. I'm going to be a little bit more pessimistic as far as what the spread is. Um, Northwestern for every game I've ever watched against Northwestern, no matter how many points you think you can score, they're going to muddy it at least a little bit. They, they play a game that just slows the game down a bit. 
uh, and takes a couple points off the board. I like Ohio State 42, still still a bunch of points, still covering. I like Ohio State 42, uh, Northwestern 17, uh, two touchdowns and a field goal. Uh, we'll see if, if that uh, comes to play, 42-17, getting it typed on my sheet here. Okay, guys, last thing I want to talk about, and it might – even if it goes a little bit, I think it's okay. Uh, we've kind of danced around it so far uh, as far as what, you know, we know what we're playing for. Number one, a Big Ten championship this weekend. But number two, what, what, what's going to happen in January? Where are the Buckeyes going to be as far as their placement goes, as far as the college football playoff rankings are concerned? Um, let's, I'm going to build a scenario for you, and I want you to kind of say what you think plays out. Ohio State wins their game going away, okay? We win. We cover the spread. We win by, you know, four or five, six touchdowns. Um, you know, it's not a game at all, and it's obvious that we're in because that's kind of been what the rhetoric has been across the country. Clemson beats Notre Dame, but within the spread. So, you know, it's close enough. It's within 14 points. Uh, maybe they're both in. Maybe you kick one out. Bama blows Florida out okay do you think there's any chance Notre Dame gets kicked out with a loss in championship weekend do you think that there's actually throw away my scenario if you want I, I want to hear what you think could happen this weekend as far as new people getting into the playoff what could you see Adam um I think the only way I can do this is with the prediction of, of, of my bets that, that I made. So I've got, sure. you know, Bam, Bama, you know, covering. I've got Clemson covering, which means it's a blowout. And I've got Ohio State covering. So in that scenario, you've got Ohio State. You've got Alabama one. You've got Clemson probably two, and then Ohio State three, just because the game's played. They, the committee showed that's what they care about. And – you know, I, I think that's kind of trying to to play off a worldwide pandemic, but uh, we're going to fault that uh, that Ohio State. It's Ohio State's fault that they only played this many games. Uh, but anyway, so who fills that fourth spot? It's not Florida. It's not Notre Dame. It could be Notre Dame, right? Just as an option, but in this scenario, it's not. In okay. my scenario, well, this, this is just my prediction, okay? Yeah, yeah. Because we're saying that that Clemson covered that ten point, you know, that two touchdown ish win. I think it's enough to knock Clemson out, and then we're looking at okay, who gets in? I've heard a lot of talk about Texas A and M. I don't think the fans would like it. I mean, other than Texas, you know, Aggies specifically alumni, they'd love to see a shot, but I think that would go a lot like. Um, the Oklahoma bids that have ever happened or <laughs> any Pac-12 bid aside from a, uh, that initial inaugural year where they made it to the national championship. Um, that being said, I want it to be Cincinnati. It's not the realistic choice. I think it's the most deserving on the schedule. They didn't get blown out by a team that's already in the top four. Um, my lame answer is going to be is probably going to be Texas A&M because this is me saying Iowa State's not they're going to lose this game, which puts all of the Big Twelve out. So my guess would be if everything plays out like that, A&M gets in. That's my bet. So Stanley, I'm reshaping the question to simplify it. Let's say there's a new person in the playoff and one person out next week. What does that look like for you? I think that ultimately comes down to if Notre Dame beats Clemson again. So if, if, if Notre Dame beats Clemson, Clemson's out. I mean, I don't think they have a chance of coming. But, I mean, if you're looking at it, looking at the rankings, they dropped Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a no. They dropped one spot. They got their game postponed. Committee's not high on them. They haven't played, you know, as, I mean, not even talking about they played eight games, but still they're playing in the American, American Conference. And, you know, Texas A&M, I mean, I think they're just – they're like the less rotten fish in the barrel. Like they're not, they're not full rotten like all the other teams with two losses. They're just, they're the less smelly one that could fit in. You know, they, they get blown out by Alabama. They barely beat, let's see who it is. They barely beat Vanderbilt. You know, it is the first game, but you know, I, I think the only scenario they get in is if Notre Dame blows out Clemson, we win, Alabama blows out Florida. But then you also think about Texas A&M beat Florida, like, you know, I, 
I, I think Texas A&M is the lone one. And then going to the other scenario, if Clemson beats Notre Dame, it's within that 10.5-point spread. I think we move up to three. Clemson and they're staying. Up, yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think the only reason they move us is because if they, if they move us to three, then we play Clemson instead of Notre Dame-Clemson again, which I don't think they'll want to do in the playoff game. That's the thing that I think hurts. Are you done, Stan, before I go? Yeah. yeah that's, a, go that's, the, that's the one thing that I, hurt, that I think hurts Notre Dame and Clemson is that they would be literally be playing a third time if it's a close game and they get put back in. So, in my opinion, the committee, even if they keep both, they're going to have to drop one to fourth because they're not going to have them play the next game a rematch because that would just be stupid and ridiculous. Time, and, yeah. yeah, nobody wants to see it. it and I, that's, that's part of the reason that I hate the matchup is that I don't think anybody wants to see them both in because they've already played twice. You know, it'd be different if it was they just played in the conference championship. We had that with uh, Bama and Georgia in the SEC championship a couple years ago, and that ended up being okay because they only played once and then Bama won in the rematch. In the oh no no that was the year I'm sorry Auburn beat Bama that year Auburn went to the SEC championship Georgia won the championship and they still put Bama in as a non-champion and then Bama won the championship with Tua I was trying to remember how that went um, so I don't think they want to see any third you know rematches I hope that they don't do that it would be bad for the sport in my opinion I'd rather see somebody else in there um, the only situation I see a new team joining the top four would be if Iowa State blows expectations out of the water and knocks Oklahoma away by like, I don't know, three touchdowns probably in the same nothing. Yeah. 59, nothing <laughs> in the same happens to either Clemson or Notre Dame. I don't think it really even matters that much, whether it's Clemson or Notre Dame, if one of them wins by three touchdowns, I think that the other one is out. Um, because I don't think you can defend a three touchdown loss on conference championship weekend and still get into the, uh, it, that's just my opinion. I also, I don't, think, it happened to us a few years ago when we didn't even play in the conference championship and we still got in and you saw how that turned out. 31 zero lost to Clemson. In my opinion, you know, if you're not playing for your conference championship, I, I don't think that you should be in. I, that, that might be a con that that's probably a controversial take. It's all going to be fixed when we move to an 18 playoff and you get the five, you know, power five conferences, champions, they get in, then you have three out, out large bids. I'm excited for the day that comes. A lot of people say it's going to dumb the season down, but I don't think it really will. Um, so I don't think it will, but that's anyway, a conversation yeah, for another time. We'll, we'll, we'll save that for next week after we're safely going to the playoff. We'll do a little special episode as far as, uh, uh, you know, fun conversations go with the playoff and that thing are concerned. But uh, I want to, I want to add one more point. Go ahead, Stan. So Texas A&M does play on Saturday. They play yeah. their made-up game for Tennessee. So there yeah. could be chaos there. Tennessee pulls out that win. Good point. Great point. Great, that's terrific point. Ultra chaos. Right there. My I, point I, to that would be yeah. you got the number five and the number six teams both playing on conference championship weekend. You got Iowa State playing Oklahoma for the actual Big 12 championship and A&M. Both of them, if they blow out their opponent, they would have then a bid. Maybe, yeah. Their bid is there if if Notre Dame and Clemson open that door up. You, but Texas A&M has to slaughter Tennessee because that when same for Iowa State. Those aren't good teams they're playing. You Oklahoma's a better team. Back. Oklahoma's a better team, but yeah, yeah Oklahoma's a better team. Yeah, but neither one belongs in the playoffs. Neither yeah. one's obvious. I mean, Oklahoma's right there at ten. Seven to two on the season, beating a defeated Texas team. Uh, well, we don't have to. Get, we nobody wants to touch Texas right now. We don't need to talk about that. Now, horns down, horns down for the squad. Urban Meyer would never <laughs> sniff Austin, but hey, that's not on the talking sheet. So hey, Adams, not supposed to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> All right, guys. Anything else for this episode? Any any final thoughts to share? I think we're in for a fun. I guess another week of football, and then we'll see how that. Selection shows the 20th, right? Yep. This, this Sunday, yeah. So, all comes down to this. Adam, anything else? I'm excited to watch, you know, more Buckeye football. Um, just the cancellations on the season have made it like, gosh, please, please, just give me one more game. One Every more game's game. a blessing. Yep. Yeah. So, Stanley, any thoughts to share your first experience on the, on the saga? Oh, I just want to say thank you guys for having me on. Like I said before, I've been listening to you guys trying to get on, but, you know, this is my time. So thank you guys so much for inviting me on.
Yeah, this has been a ton of fun. I, I definitely can say that Stanley will be back on uh, unless uh, I would hate to see any, you know, negative comments on any kind of social media saying that, you know, you're not interested in Stanley joining. But, you know, we'll see. As long as the feedback is positive, I think that uh, Stanley's going to be invited back. Uh, but with that, Stanley, if you've listened, uh, you might know Adam's signature sign off when I do the sign off. But for those of you at home, uh, please rate and review this episode. I promise I, re- I literally read any comment that's left, whether it's on social media or on any podcast platforms. Please rate and review and share it with your friends. We're trying to grow a little bit of a small niche audience. Uh, but with that, Stanley, Adam, thank you for joining me. Episode six, season three of the Silver Bullet, Bullet Saga. Saga.